3: Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: You're listening to the best of Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are joined now by Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, father of three. He's got a new book, Manhood: The Masculine Virtues America Needs. And. I mean, I'm sure uh, Senator, you look around and see some of this ridiculous stuff. Uh, the Adidas has men uh, wearing women's uh, uh, bathing suits. We've got men winning women's championships. I don't think anybody can argue that masculinity in many ways is under siege. So is femininity. So is the very idea that there's a difference in the sex difference in the sexes. How do we fix this?
1: Well, thanks for having me on. It's great to be with you, and you nailed it. it is, the left is, is waging a war on the whole idea of gender. They're telling men that they're inherently toxic. They're telling women that they don't exist. You know, I mean, anybody can be a woman today. I mean, it is crazy stuff. The way we fix it, I think, is we, first of all, insist that on, on the reality of biology, that there are really biological men. That's a real thing. And there really are biological women, and those things are different, number one. Number two, it's, it's good. It's good to be a man. It's good to be a woman. And then I think, Clay, for young men, we need to send the message that, hey, there are role models out there of what a good, strong man looks like. We need strong men in America. We need men who are going to take responsibility for their lives, for their families, ultimately for their country. And we need to send that message to young people especially.
2: Senator Holly. it's Buck. Thanks for being with us. Uh, I want to know, Clay and I talk about this a lot. I wanted to hear your take on it, which is why does the left – want to undermine masculinity so much. It's very clear there's a concerted effort here. What's the motivation behind that?
1: I think it's power. You know, I think that men who are strong and independent are a threat to the leftists and to the elitists who want to run the country. You think about but like, their message to men for the last 20, 30, 40 years, it's been, hey, go turn on a screen, go entertain yourself, buy some stuff, be an androgynous consumer but don't rock the boat. You know, let let us, let the experts run the country. You just sit there and and do as you're told. I think men who are independent, who say, no, actually, I've got a job. I'm economically independent. I provide for my family. I'm morally independent. I've got my own political views. That's a threat to the liberal elites, the so-called experts running this country. And that's exactly why we need men to stand up be stronger, to take responsibility. That's what liberty is. Liberty is when we run our own lives, right? Liberty is when we run our own government. So, to reclaim the promise of liberty in this country and preserve it, we need men who are going to stand up, take responsibility, be strong and independent.
5: You know, Buck and I talk a lot on this program. I mean, there are certain things that I see, and it's almost impossible to have predicted that this would ever occur. Even, even if you go back to like 2010, 2016, even. The idea that there wouldn't be, and I know you guys just voted on this, there wouldn't be a single Democrat in Congress in the House or the Senate that was willing to say, hey, men's sports should be for men and women's sports should be for women blows my mind. Did you ever think, I mean, you grew up playing athletics. Like we said, you've got three kids as well. You're in Missouri. I'm sure that most of your constituents think this is wild too. Do you ever think we'd see an entire political party unwilling to say hey we should separate men and women's sports
1: no no i did not i wouldn't have thought that just three or four years ago yeah i mean it, it is incredible this radical ideology that is so totally unhinged from reality and clay you know you know parents parents don't want this and that crosses political lines at least it does in my state democrat parents independent parents they don't care they just want their kids number one to be affirmed for who they are. Not that, you know, oh, if you're a boy, you need to be a girl. If you're a girl, you need to be a boy. Crazy. They want their girls to actually be able to play sports and not have men pushed into their same sports leagues or into their same locker rooms. This is pretty basic stuff. And I think the left has gotten so out of control here. They've gotten so far afield that they've just completely lost touch with reality. And that's why, you know, conservatives, this is the time for conservatives to stand up and to defend manhood, to defend womanhood, to say those things are real, those things have value, and we should recover what healthy role models for both of them look like.
2: Senator Hawley uh, with us now from Missouri. Uh, Senator, your Democrat Senate colleagues on this gender issue, uh, do you think, I mean, without asking anyone specifically, but as, as a general matter, do they believe the stuff, the slogans they mouth on TV about how it's fine that you know men can actually be women and they should compete, or are they just so afraid of the cult and their political power demands it, that they're willing to go along with it. You know what I mean? Are, are they true believers or are they just, they don't have a choice in their minds?
1: I think it's probably the second thing. And, and I say that because I, I, have, I have respect for these people and I just can't believe they actually believe this stuff. You know I mean? I think it's that the, the lobby here, the radical left lobby, let's remember who the base of the Democrat Party is now. It's people who fly around in the private jets and, and go to conferences at Davos. Like that's their base. Those are the people with the power, the radical activists who also tend to be very rich and well-connected. So I think they're very responsive to those people, and those people are pushing this this uh, trans ideology, this no-gender ideology uh, all, all the way. I mean, hook, line, and sinker, I think the left has bought it. So that, to me, is, is what's driving this. But, you know, it's it it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy talk, and I think of the hearing that I had uh, some month back, where we had but called by the Democrats, where we had an elite law professor who wouldn't even say the word "woman." You know, she kept saying "persons with birthing capacity," and it's like, wait, you mean you mean woman, right? Here's the point that we're at in America with the left: they won't say man, they won't say woman. And I think one of the reasons I wrote the book is to cut across all of that, all of that nonsense. Let's tell the truth. We need good strong men. We need good strong women too. But for men, this is really a a call to step up, to take responsibility, and to go out there, change your own life first, and then change your family, change this country.
5: The book is Manhood, the Masculine Virtues America Needs. Um, I'm sure I've got three boys, so I spend a lot of time thinking about this, 15, 12, and 8. And and obviously, I see a lot of their their friends around and everything else. And one thing I hear from them, and I'm curious if you're hearing this from your own kids or if you're hearing this from constituents— a lot of young, you know, men. A lot of boys. They look around and say, you know, we're being told that we are toxic because we are boys, and and like I'll hear from my own kids. Like, there's a lot of you know pro femininity still out there, the girl power uh, initiative and whatnot. I think that a lot of young boys growing into men are really lost. And, and and they don't know how to be comfortable in their own skin. I think this is also happening with women because you look at high rates of suicide and depression that exist out there. How do we fix it? Because this is something that I think is so important. There's a lot of lost souls in the younger generation um, I'm sure you see it and I'm sure you're trying to address it in, in the book, but do you feel it? Do you feel that, uh, when you're around the country, Senator Hawley, that even for something like when you and I would have grown up, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, this didn't exist. It really feels like men are truly under assault in this country.
1: hundred percent. And I think the message that you just articulated is a hundred percent what men, especially young men hear, which is that if you're a man, you're toxic If you're a man, you make the world a worse place just by being a man. And that is incredibly disorienting to young men, you know, who naturally come built in with a sense of adventure, a longing to, you know, go out and and discover and push boundaries and be aggressive like that. You know, that's just, listen, I mean, you've you've got boys, I've got boys, like this is how boys are. And when they're told from the time they're little, that's a problem. You're a problem. You need to stop that. it's profoundly disorienting disorienting to them. So how do we change that? I think part of the answer is we try and tell good stories, recover role models. This is what I try to do in the book. I tell stories from my own life, coaches, mentors who are significant to me, uh, from American history, from the Bible. What does it look like to be a good, strong man? And I think we can hold up those role models for young men today and say, look, here, This is what it looks like. It's good to be a man. It's good to have ambition. It's good to want to be strong. Channel that in service to others, and then you've got the recipe to really make a difference with your life.
2: The book is Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. Senator Josh Hawley, thanks so much for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino,
2: with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you
0: lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that?
4: Skip.
6: Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two.
4: This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple
3: Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge.
5: You can handle the truth. More Clay Travis and Buck Sexton coming up. The left wing has been adroit. They've been skilled. They've been incredibly well trained. And they have turned in Nashville, my hometown, they have managed to turn this crazy trans shooter into a uh, Republicans or racist argument. That's what they've pivoted from. We still don't have the trans shooter manifesto. Kamala Harris can travel to Nashville, won't meet with the victims of the shooting because they don't want to reinforce that this was a crazy trans shooter. Instead, Kamala Harris comes here and they try to say, oh, all Tennessee Republicans are racist, right? That's the argument. Now, to be fair, Tennessee Republicans did screw this thing up when they didn't vote the crazy white chick out, too. They just voted the two black guys out and the crazy white chick, survive by one vote
2: can we just also add to that that she begged them not to expel her and then the moment she got her wish she turned around and said you who failed to expel me did so because you are racist yeah just see that is in microcosm what it is to deal with a lib politician in america today please please i beg you i want to keep my job fine you weren't quite as egregious as the others You're letting me keep my job out of racism, sir. That is what they did.
5: And if you fell for it, you're an imbecile, frankly. Uh, If you were one, look, if you wanted to say, hey, on principle, I don't think we should be voting anybody out in the Tennessee legislature. I don't think this makes sense. I'm going to vote against all three. Okay, I can see that argument because you kind of turned them into martyrs. You can see that argument. But if you tried to split the baby and you're like, I'm going to toss the two black dudes out. But I'm going to keep the white chick who begged for forgiveness and then immediately went outside, had those crocodile tears, and then as soon as she survived and wasn't kicked to the curb, she immediately said, oh, it's racism. That's why I didn't get kicked to the curb. You got played. You played yourself. And speaking of playing yourself, this is one of the two expelled members of the Tennessee Democrat Party. I believe we have this audio all queued up and ready to go, right? So he went to Bowden which is a super elite, what does Bowdoin cost? Probably $75,000 a year, buck. I mean, probably tuition, something like that. Yeah. It I is mean, it's one in the, the same richest,
2: conference as my school, Amherst. Not as yeah. good
5: as Amherst, but it's pretty good. So in Maine, it is the one of the richest, whitest schools historically on the East Coast. This guy went to that school, all right? And he didn't just go to that school— he ran for student body president. And guys, I'm going to ask you to stop it if we can. Right at the end of his... This is the same guy that was expelled that now is trying to pretend like he's Malcolm X or Martin Luther King Jr. Here he is in 2016 running for student body president of this elite, super white, liberal, rich kid school uh, in Maine. Listen.
7: Dustin J. Pearson. And I'm running for president of BSG there are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year one has to do with representation how can we represent all voices in a conversation i want to do this by partnering with organizations from the boon democrats to the boon republicans i want to bring together different voices dissenting voices voices that may be more liberal or more conservative in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle
5: okay pause great job there guys that is his campaign message Bowden, Bowden, however you pronounce it, Bowden, Bowden, all right, Bowden, he wanted to be the student body president, you need to watch the video, Uh, that is 2016, here is this past weekend in a Nashville church, he now has a monster afro, same dude, listen,
7: seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win, but oh, that was good news for us, I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last, but oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes.
5: All right, now, can we just, I I want to put them now back to back. Now, you heard them separated. This is the same dude, again, separated by seven years, running for student body president at his. Super white school in Maine that costs $75,000 a year, talking about how he wants to bring everybody together. And then it's suddenly like record scratch, 1965, and he's Martin Luther King Jr. Listen to the whole thing.
7: Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation. How can we represent all voices in a conversation? I wanted to do this by partnering with organizations from the Putin Democrats to the Putin Republicans. I want to bring together different voices, dissenting voices, voices that may be more liberal or more conservative, in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win, but oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last, but oh, we have good news, folks! We've got good news that Sunday always comes.
5: This reminds me, Buck, of you remember the movie Eight Mile when uh, Eminem's going up against the uh, the other elite rapper, and Eminem just takes all he's a poor white kid, literally eight mile. And he points out that Clarence, if I remember correctly was his name, went to Cranbrook, which is the most exclusive and expensive private school in the Detroit area for anybody listening to us who grew up in the Detroit area. And he just says Clarence went to Cranbrook. And everybody just loses it because the guy is a total poser, right? He's, and I wish we could curse sometimes. He's full of crap. He is pretending to be, what, like a cosplay, a really bad actor that is trying to pretend like right. it's 1960s in Tennessee.
2: I mean, I I get nervous if I say y'all that people are going to think that I'm appropriated, you know. But it is I such it. a good contraction. My wife
5: was super nervous because she's from Michigan. She's been in Tennessee for 20 years, and I remember having a conversation with her. When can I use the word y'all and not sound like I'm a faker? Right? Like not sound like That's I'm a, a real pretender. Thing.
2: Everybody, y'all is the is the best way to say what you're trying to say. Period. It's better I mean, it's than the you most guys. Efficient. It's
5: better than you yes. all.
2: Yes. You guys is a very is a very. I think it's definitely northeastern, midwest, mid Atlantic, and, sort of mid-west, and Midwestern. You guys. Yeah. Yeah. You guys. um You know, but we say you guys in New York. Y'all makes a lot a lot more sense. Or or if you're really a New Yorker, you know Manhattan, you might say all of you. But all of you is quite a mouthful.
5: One truth revealed after another. Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton.
2: The border is, well, we thought it would be this bad. But when you see the visual images of it, when it is made real by the presence of thousands and thousands of migrants camped out along the border, and Illegal aliens, really. This term has completely faded out of our conversation, but uh, these are people who are entering the United States illegally. They are breaking our laws. They are over uh, overwhelming the system that we have in place to process them. We'll get into the numbers and all of it, but the end of Title 42 is obviously every bit as much a disaster for border security as we thought it would be. And this is, unfortunately, the Democrat plan. I think you have to understand that, and I'll get into why uh, that is in just a little bit. You know, uh, CNN still dealing with the aftermath of the town hall with Donald Trump, where he got to just be Trump. I mean, he was, he was Trumping it up. Uh, and the, a lot of their audience very upset. Anderson Cooper <laughs> goes on his show and says... I mean, look, if you never watch us again, I understand, <laughs> which that's the level things have gotten to uh, for CNN anchors who have been uh, paid tens of millions of dollars over the years to be uh, propagandists. Uh, so we shall discuss that, too. But the the biggest thing that's on my mind today, um, and I'm sure we're going to take a lot of calls on it. So 800-282-2882, the uh, biggest thing that's on my mind, I'm sure many of yours as well, is the situation of daniel penny and how he has now turned himself in he is facing uh, manslaughter charges in the death of jordan neely the uh, career criminal who was threatening people on the subway and uh, was in a in a in a point where at a point where penny thought the only way to handle the situation was to take matters into his own hands and do something about it. Uh, This is deeply upsetting. Um, As you know, I'm a a New Yorker born and raised and saw the difference, New York City uh, at that, and saw the difference between a city run for the benefit of the law-abiding and the decent and the productive versus a city that bends over backwards to do everything possible to cater to the criminals to uh, put the vagrants the predators, the criminals the people who are making life more difficult for others on the streets of New York City to put them first I've seen the difference in the city, I've seen the difference in various communities during the the time I was doing a rotation in the intelligence division of the NYPD, I spent time in the highest crime parts of Manhattan, and not just driving through, days and days in the highest crime parts of uh, all of New York City, I think it said Manhattan. And what you realize very quickly, when you actually do that, when you're not Chuck Schumer or, you know, Ocasio-Cortez or Joe Biden, none of these people have, have spent the night in a dangerous neighborhood in decades, if ever, okay? But when you actually go there, you see that the elite liberal opinion that we should give criminals free reign first and foremost punishes people in those communities who are trying to live their lives productively, peaceably, and within the law. And that's for the highest concentration minority neighborhoods of New York City, and any city for that matter. It is always a small percentage of an overall metropolis that is committing the vast majority of the violent crimes. And overwhelmingly, by the numbers, minority communities are places where there's a disproportionate impact on the many from the very small percentage of those who are committing crimes. So basically you're letting, by not enforcing the laws, the black community, the Latino community in New York specifically, this is true in many other cities, suffer more because there's more crime in those communities. This is the the root fallacy, if you will. This is the baseline, the foundational problem with the way Democrats are approaching criminal justice once again. They are sacrificing the 99% of the law-abiding for the 1% of the criminal element. And this then brings me deep into the uh, Jordan Neely situation. I was worried this was going to happen. The The left turned up the pressure. We'll get to that in a second. Here is uh, Daniel Penny's attorney who is announcing that there is a surrender that has occurred here. He has been taken into into custody, cuffed, processed the whole thing. Play clip 1.
6: This morning, Daniel Penny surrendered uh, at the 5th Precinct at the request of the New York County District Attorney's office. Stick down,
0: stick down, stick down.
6: He did so voluntarily and with the sort of dignity and integrity that is characteristic of his history of service to this grateful nation.
2: Now, a few things that I want to establish for our conversation here what was said on that train there are all these eyewitnesses you've seen the video there's a more extended video you should see as well if you haven't that shows neely and two others who also restrained um neely i'm sorry shows penny and two others who were restraining neely uh so there are three individuals who are trying to restrain jordan neely who who subsequently died um, the people on the train on the subway car in New york city were grateful that someone stepped in and you'd have to ask well, why would they be grateful why wasn't why don't we see interviews wouldn't this be so easy if the people on that subway car weren't frightened by what was happening wouldn't they be frightened by this man just choking someone oh and now they're saying it's manslaughter you know intentionally choking him or unintentionally as the manslaughter charge, I believe allows uh, choking him to death. No, the other people on the subway car were thankful that someone stepped in. Let's ask the question: Why? Why would they be? If I saw someone put someone in a chokehold and put that individual's yes, any time you put someone in a chokehold, you have to be careful. You are you are taking what could be what could be lethal force action. But if I saw someone do that on the subway, we would. People would be terrified. Oh, my God, what, this, what is this guy doing? Why is he choking this individual out? This is. But if there was a reason for it, you'd say, well, aren't we glad that someone stepped up because something really awful was about to happen? You know, you don't have to wait. If someone pulls a knife on you or someone pulls a gun on you, you don't have to wait for them to shoot you or to stab you for you to do something about it. I know in New York and in the Democrat-controlled states and cities, you do now. They are making self-defense illegal. They are doing this purposefully because in a society, which is what they want, with true statist authoritarianism, you live and die, truly and literally die at the whim of the state. If this is just what the policies demand, if this is what the collective wants, you have to suffer through it. You are not allowed to defend yourself because they say so. It's also why they hate the Second Amendment. It's why they hate law-abiding citizens being able to arm themselves and defend themselves. It all holds together. This is philosophical at its deepest level. This is about the individual's relationship to the state. It's also about good and evil, too, because ultimately, what is the purpose of laws? An ordered society, but a just society. Are you living in a just society if every time you get on the subway, some maniac can get in your face and threaten to kill you, perhaps threaten to kill your children, and you aren't allowed to do anything about it. You sit there and hope that that 44 times convicted criminal who had recently shattered an elderly woman's occipital bone and nose, her eye socket and and her uh, her nose, um, you hope that he doesn't decide that this time he's going to do what he had done before. Alvin Bragg... And Mayor Eric Adams and the Democrats who run New York City are telling you that's the situation. You sit there and hope that the maniac doesn't attack you, doesn't uh, maim you, perhaps in front of your wife, perhaps in front of your children or in front of your husband. That's the city that you're supposed to live in now. I think people have had enough of that, but the Democrats haven't. Not the Democrat apparatus, not the people in charge. Why did they feel unsafe on that subway? Why did Daniel Penny step in? Key questions. God, I hope somebody with common sense ends up on this jury and saves this Marine from this absolute... It It is appalling what my home city is doing right now. It is appalling. But here we are. Why were they afraid of Neely? Quote, this is from... Multiple eyewitnesses, there is no dispute about this, Neely is you know, menacing everyone on the subway, saying, I don't care, I'll take a bullet, I'll go to jail. He said he would kill a MF word, I don't care, I'll take a bullet, I'll go to jail. He's running around shouting in people's faces the threat that he will kill someone on the train and doesn't care if he goes to jail. Alvin Bragg, the district attorney of Manhattan, is telling all New Yorkers right now, that's just the way it is. That's just going to happen. Deal with it. This is what uh, social justice, and in the eyes of the left, racial justice demands. And you say to yourself, hold on a second. New York City Subway, I've spent countless, thousands of hours in the New York City Subway. It's one of the most diverse places on the planet. I'm sure if you ran the numbers, one of the actually most diverse places on the planet. So the people on that on that train, there were black people being threatened, Hispanic people being threatened, Asian people being threatened, white people being threatened, and and other races. I mean, we could list you know everybody. That's the New York City subway system. Oh, but because of the elements here that you have an individual, the the perpetrator of the threats here is black, the Democrat Party. Ocasio-Cortez and many others take a very specific stance on this, which is that there must be some form of racism involved here. This is racist. It was a lynching, Ayanna Presley said. You remember that? A lynching. As though this former Marine, no criminal history, done nothing but, what, honorably serve? What's the problem here? What, how is he a threat to society? Ask yourself this. What is the message the justice system is trying to send in New York City? That Daniel Penny, you are safer? You are better off on the New York City subway system if young men, if Marines, if people who stand up to serve and to save, if they're told by their own government, local government in this case, sit down, shut up, and take it, or we will lock you up in a cell. Does that make you safer? Do any of you who actually go to New York... Live there, travel there, work there. Any of you feel safer knowing that the next good Samaritan, the next individual who tries to do something, well, maybe they gotta lock him up. Forty four arrests. How long did how long did Jordan Neely really serve in prison? You ever asked that question? Forty four arrests. Daniel Penny, the former Marine, he faces fifteen years in prison now. Fifteen years for for this circumstance, for this situation. Understand. That the message is being sent to all of us across the country. Democrats control things. You can't defend yourself. That is now the rule. You are not allowed. Submit. Submit to the criminals. Let them steal from your store. Let them rampage through your, your restaurant or your, your deli, your market. Let them you know burn your gas station down. You try to do anything. And they'll step in and they'll decide that you are the bad person. It's, it's quite a form of authoritarian obedience training we're all going through right now. And I, I think, I hope, there's enough of a national outcry about this that perhaps this will become a, a turning point. This will become a moment that everybody realizes what's really going on here.
3: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good song.
6: The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that?
4: Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
6: And I'm Skip Bronson. tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two.
4: This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the
6: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge.
5: More fun and conversation coming up from Clay Travis and Buck Sexton.
2: Welcome back to Clay and Buck. Uh, Buck rolling out solo here for the last half hour or so. Well, actually not solo. Really. Clay had to go catch a plane. Because our friend Kat Timpf is with us now. She is a Fox News contributor, co-host of Gutfeld a fabulous show on Monday through Fridays on Fox news. You should all watch. And she's got a new book out. You can't joke about that. Kat, I have a feeling that whenever someone says you can't joke about that, you pick that out and you make a joke about it. What's going on?
0: Uh, that is absolutely true. Uh, good, good to talk with you. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm sitting on a coffin on my book cover. Cause I wanted to make it very clear that you can joke about absolutely everything. And I don't think that the people who say you can't joke about that are just like snowflakes or whatever they're normally called. I think they're actually really harming people because a lot of people, myself included, use humor as a healing mechanism. And they're telling people that they can't do that, which also can keep people from making connections with other people through humor.
2: Do you think we're gaining some ground, though? You know, we talk on the show a fair amount here, Kat, about some of the people, whether it's you know Bill Maher, who's a comedian slash political commentator, but obviously... You know, Dave Chappelle has made jokes and had specials and things that he didn't, you know, bend the knee to the woke cancel crowd. Is it moving, finally in the right direction or is that a little too optimistic?
0: You know, I, I hate to be optimistic, but I, I certainly hope so. Right. I think that more and more people are starting to see the reality of the situation, which is a lot of these people who present themselves as being these sensitive, compassionate people are actually jerks because I write about this in my book, too. I think it's not a bad thing to talk about your feelings, to have feelings that are hurt, uh, to express that your feelings are hurt. Where it becomes an issue is when you expect the entire world to revolve around your specific feelings and sensibilities. That doesn't make you a sensitive person. That actually makes you a self-obsessed bully. And that is the difference. And I think a lot of people really are starting to see the difference between that somebody who's just oh i'm sensitive my feelings are hurt. and somebody who wants to use that to gain power and control over other people because maybe they haven't been as successful as they wanted to be in life and they want to take someone else down or for whatever other reason
2: speaking of Cat tim she's got a book out you can't joke about that you should go get your copy today kat thank you so much for making the time
0: thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me buck it is ryan here and i have a question
5: for you what do you do when you win
3: is back for another round.
4: We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, mm-hmm. I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper?
3: Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life and Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.